Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Rossafari podcast and this week's episode of Zoo News. Uh, for those of you who this is your first time here, and I know there are many of you right now, uh, welcome. Zoo News is our weekly look at everything going on in the world of zoos and uh, aquariums and conservation and animal weirdness. And um, you can submit stories to me uh, for Zoo News. And I'll read your name at the end of the episode. I get to do less work. You get your name read on a podcast. Life is good. So if you see any Zoo News worthy stories, email them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com, or tag me in them on socials. And uh, you should already be following those socials, but if you're not, uh, all of the major social media networks are at Rossafari. TikTok is at Rossafari Pod. Uh, and you can, yeah, you can be a part of this podcast. It's very exciting. So cool. Uh, I like to start off with a little update about my life. And actually, this one's kind of a big update about my life. So the, uh, the last episode, I was talking to you all about how weird it was to be going viral. Well, uh, that has not stopped being weird and is still happening. So um, as of when I'm recording this, which is Wednesday night this week, um, my TikTok views are just around 12 million, haven't quite gotten there yet, but should soon. And Instagram has just kept going and going and... Uh, we're over 15 million views on uh, the main drumming video on Instagram. That's ridiculous and, and very exciting and very cool. Um, but it's all been very weird. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the most exciting part to me actually is I'm now over 30,000 followers on TikTok and 10,000 followers on Instagram. And um, I, I, I'm pretty excited about all of that. I'm pretty sure that I'm like a Kardashian or something now. I, I don't know what Jenner level is. But, hey, we're getting there and that's all that matters. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Still an idiot. Can't help myself. But anyway, um, moving on from that. I wanted to let y'all know that my next show that I'm going to be performing in is another uh, production of Million Dollar Quartet, this time at the Asbury Park Theater Company in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, shows are the first and second weekend of December, and if you're going to be in the area, then come check it out. Um, I'm co-music directing, I'm playing the drums, but also I'm co-directing this production. This will be my first time stepping into the director's chair, and I'm really excited about it. It. So that's cool. And then um, news that I have been waiting to announce for a while now. On December 17th at 4 p.m. and then again at 8 p.m. at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City, the show that I wrote and co-arranged and am directing and music supervising and playing in and narrating and all the things under the sun 
um, is going to be making our world premiere. So again, that date is December 17th at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And if you happen to be anywhere near there, uh, tickets are now on sale on Ticketmaster, or you can just go to the Hard Rock Casino's webpage and uh, find them there. So come see the show. It's going to be awesome, I hope. I don't really know because I wrote it and we haven't done it yet, but I'm going to assume it's going to be awesome because, you know, why not? Uh, yeah, so that is that is all of the update stuff for me, and I'm very excited about all of it. Um, I did want to leave this intro section with one uh, kind of, uh, let's just say a little funny thing. For those of you that listened last week, you know that I, I had a whole lot of animal deaths to talk about. And uh, my good friend Liz sent me this thing and she just said, TLDR Zoo News, a bunch of animals died and John is viral. Shrug. And she wasn't wrong. And uh, I just wanted to share that with all y'all. And also um, to tell you that there are a whole lot less animal deaths this time. So be happy about that. And with that said, let's make the thing happen. Let's get to Zoo News. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care, now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo News? Well, it's a Zoo, 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 Zoo. All right, so we're going to start off this week uh, with a reminder to everyone in Providence, Rhode Island. I know that's a small... Uh, part of my audience, but uh, for everyone there, please remember to vote yes for question three next week, which will provide funding for Roger Williams Park Zoo to build a carbon neutral education center and event pavilion to help further inspire the next generation of conservationists. And not only is that important in and of itself, but for the rest of you, everyone not in Providence, you can you can listen again. Um, let this be a reminder to you, okay? If you want to help zoos, if you want to help aquariums, if you want to help animal conservation, your vote matters, all right? There are a couple of ways that it can matter. Uh, there might be local questions like question number three in Providence uh, about funding things or, or you know, ways to help the environment. So look at what's going to be on your ballot before you go and vote. And uh, make sure that you are informed and make sure that you understand the wording of the question, because sometimes those questions are worded in ways that are meant to trick you. So don't be tricked. Um, and then also, you know, keep in mind that there are candidates who want to do things like the Green New Deal and cutting back on fossil fuels and giving tax breaks to people who get uh, electric vehicles or um, electric, you know, plug-in hybrids and such. And then there are candidates who want to increase drilling in the Arctic and um, give more money to businesses that want to cause damage to the environment and take away environmental controls and all of those things. Um, I'm not saying which side is which, but, uh, I'm guessing you can guess. Um, but if that is important to you, then please think about voting accordingly. Okay. I'm not going to be the person on here telling you how to vote, but I am going to tell you that in a world where it often feels like we have very little control over the big picture issues like conservation and the, you know, whole ecological health of our world and that kind of thing, 
Voting is one way that you can still make a very real impact. So please consider voting for the people who will make the impact you want to see for the world. Oh, and also, regardless of what you think about voting or those issues, go vote. Do your civic duty. Do the thing. Okay, so the biggest zoo news story from this week uh, is out of the Taronga Zoo in Australia, um, in Sydney, Australia, actually, uh, where five lions were located outside their enclosure one morning before the zoo opened. Uh, Four of them were cubs and one was the father. And as of the time of this recording, the Tronga Zoo isn't entirely sure what happened, but there was a faulty equipment issue, and they know that it was not because of human error. Three of the cubs and the father returned immediately upon use of their recall, uh, while the fourth cub did have to be tranquilized, but no animals or humans were hurt. The... um, on-site emergency team handled it exactly like they were supposed to, and by all indications, everything went absolutely swimmingly. Yeah, except for the fact that, you know, five lions got out of their enclosure. Um, in fact, uh, they didn't even get all the way out of their enclosure. Uh, this is a facility that has double fencing, just like, you know, most AZA facilities and such do as well. And the lions were just outside of their main habitat, but still within the second fence. So honestly, and all joking aside, this this really could not have gone any better, which is a good thing because, you know, lions. Um, I do have to laugh just a little bit. Uh, the, um, the Taronga Zoo, uh, released a statement this morning after this happened that said an emergency situation occurred this morning at Taronga Zoo, Sydney, when five lions were located outside their enclosure. Uh, and then they went on to explain that everything was fine and that the zoo would be open because they, they still managed to open after this, which is pretty awesome. But I just... I don't know that there is a better way to announce that five lions got out of their enclosure, but um, the the very simplicity of that statement and not mentioning that four of them were cubs and I don't know, just kind of cracked me up. But um, scary moment at Taronga Zoo, and I'm glad that uh, everyone is so beautifully well-trained that there were no issues. Okay, now I don't want to get harassed about talking about a bunch of dead animals again, but I do have two stories that I need to share with you uh, about that topic. One is that Lucky, an Asian elephant at the San Antonio Zoo, uh, passed away at the age of 62 this week. Now, the average lifespan for an Asian elephant is 47.5 years. Uh, So, you know, 62 is a great age, and Lucky was actually one of the oldest uh, elephants in the country. Um, It's very sad that she passed on, but again, just a great testament to the amazing care given by zoo professionals. So uh, rest in peace, Lucky. And while we're on the rest in peace train... Rest in peace, Leo, the Brookfield Zoo Red Panda. I'm, again, very sad about this. Leo was five years old and passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. Uh, Brookfield Zoo has not released any details on what has happened yet, but I'm hoping they do in the future and plan on following up and trying to find out. Uh, Leo 
was an amazing, shy, and curious red panda, and uh, definitely the highlight every time I went to Brookfield. So uh, I hope they're able to figure out what happened there, and uh, I hope that you know everyone at Brookfield is is doing okay and recovering as as best as they can. Rest in peace, Leo. Okay, so that's totally it for the deaths. Um, but we have some births that are really happy and will help offset the sadness that you might feel right now. Uh, the Potawatomi Zoo recently announced a pair of new Chicoan peccary babies. Or let's just call them what they are. They're pecklets. They're little pecklets at the Potawatomi Zoo, and I am so excited. If you don't know what Chicoan peccaries are, they are really adorable, and I just – just Google. Just Google. Their legs should not support their big stupid heads and amazing bodies. Um, and they are a critically endangered species that is also not found in a ton of zoos. So this is, like, really exciting news, and so you should be very excited about it. And speaking of exciting births, the Hattiesburg Zoo in Mississippi has announced the birth of a baby hyena. Uh, this is actually, it's a spotted hyena, which is a very cool species of hyena. And um, the cub came on October 17th, and uh, it's the first baby to the mother hyena named Pili. The father is Nehru. And this is the only surviving hyena born in North America in 2022. So that's a really big deal. Again, spotted hyenas, not a species you see in a lot of places. So every birth becomes wildly important to uh, that whole captive population retention thing. So very exciting. Uh, yay about all of this. And now... The, the, to me personally, possibly the biggest yay in this whole podcast. The National Aquarium has announced that uh, a 42 year old, 62 pound male Kemp's Ridley sea turtle has arrived at the aquarium. Now, the aquarium has not had a sea turtle since Calypso passed a few years ago. And to anybody who was listening back then, you know, Calypso was one of the animals that inspired me to fall in love with zoos and aquariums. And I, I have had a hard time going to the aquarium knowing that not only was Calypso gone, but that I would not see a sea turtle there. Um, the National Aquarium should just have a sea turtle in, in my brain. That's how that works. Um, and so once the 90-day quarantine is over, this turtle will be living at the National Aquarium. I'm so excited. This just feels so important and so right to me. Calypso was such a huge part of not just my love of the aquarium, but many people that I've talked to have said that they fell in love with um, the idea of conservation and, you know, exotic animals and such by going to the National Aquarium and seeing Calypso. And uh, this turtle, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's got a big shell to fill, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm sure that that it will be filled adequately. Kemp's Ridleys are incredible. They are not a species you see in a ton of aquariums. Uh, normally, it's loggerhead and green sea turtles that you see a lot of. And uh, I just I just can't wait. 90 days, and I will probably be there on the 91st. So congrats to the National Aquarium. I'm so excited about this. Okay, now we have to go back to the bad news. So, I have talked to y'all before about Miami Seaquarium. Uh, this is a uh, marine park 
in Miami that uh, has come under fire a lot um, for how they treat their orcas and their dolphins and all that good stuff. Uh, However, uh, there was a new company that took over in March uh, called The Dolphin Company, and um, they were supposed to be revitalizing the park and taking better care of the animals. I told you all in past episodes that, you know, we need to cross our fingers and and hope for good news that the Seaquarium would be taking better care of its animals. Well, we didn't cross our fingers hard enough, y'all. According to a U.S. Department of Agriculture report, uh, based on a July inspection of the park, which is months after the dolphin company took over, uh, many of the facility's 12 dolphins were found to be underweight, underfed, and losing muscle mass. Apparently, earlier in spring 2022, nine of the 12 dolphins were put on new restrictive diets without consultation from any veterinarians. And the USDA is directly relating that food deprivation to what has recently been seen uh, by the public lot, uh, which is violent and aggressive behaviors being seen in the dolphins. So that's really not okay. Um, Apparently, and this is according to PETA, not my favorite source, but in this case, it seems like they might be onto something. Um, uh, Park staff has been withholding food from animals that they felt exhibited poor behavior. Now, you know, this is a podcast that believes very strongly in positive reinforcement. And even though all four quadrants are valid at times, withholding food because there is bad behavior is not acceptable. Animals need their diets. This is ridiculous. Um, So uh, at this point, the uh, mayor of Miami uh, has announced that um, they are going to be hiring independent marine mammal veterinarians to perform unannounced inspections as well as sending uh, USDA inspectors back to ensure that the animals are well taken care of. In fact, Miami Seaquarium actually leases their property from the city of Miami, and animal welfare measures are included in the lease. So if this doesn't get better, the city can literally just cancel the lease and kick them out. That obviously raises a lot of questions about what will happen with the animals and all that jazz. But, um, you know, wherever they end up, it'll be better than in a place where they are being starved. That is simply not acceptable. Now, in all fairness to Miami Seaquarium, I have to say that um, they did release a statement saying that what they did was cut all of the food to their dolphins and then slowly increase it to find the actual best diet for each individual uh, dolphin based on age, weight, and health issues, and that they worked with uh, leading dolphin experts to figure all of that out. And um, okay, cool. That's their statement. And uh Good for them, I guess. Um, I'm not saying I don't buy it. I'm saying let's see what these uh, inspectors come up with over the next bunch of months. Because, you know, suddenly hungry and aggressive dolphins, it's just, that's a red flag, y'all. Like, if you see that on a Tinder bio that they're really into underfed and um, aggressive dolphins, then then swipe left, y'all. That's my official advice. 
Congratulations are in order to our friends at the St. Louis Zoo. Uh, Recently, the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums held its 77th annual conference. And uh, the Conservation Award was awarded, that's what happens with awards, to the St. Louis Zoo's Wild Care Institute Center for Avian Health in the Galapagos Islands. Uh, The work that they are doing there is incredible and has now won them an award, which is just awesome. Um, And then while we're talking about awards and certifications, our good friends at Adventure Aquarium uh, are officially certified sensory inclusive uh, thanks to partnering with a company called Culture City that's at Culture City, K-U-L-T-U-R-E City, if you want to check it out. Um, this basically means that their staff has been trained to recognize and handle a guest with sensory needs like autism, PTSD, dementia, and other conditions. Also, the info desk is stocked with sensory bags that can be rented free of charge, and uh, they have noise-canceling headphones, fidget tools, verbal cue cards, and additional things to help people have a better experience at the aquarium uh, who who might need those types of things. Now, you may remember from previous episodes that... uh, Adventure Aquarium also does sensory-friendly nights where they make the whole aquarium quiet and and a little better off for people who, who need that. And so, yeah, congrats, Adventure Aquarium. Y'all are amazing all the time, and I just love you. I do. I'm proud to be a member. It's true. Speaking of elections, which I didn't just do, but I, I did earlier, could um, could have sequenced these a little bit better, but whatever. Anyway, the Beardsley Zoo in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, is doing their third year of this really cool fundraiser that I just love. Uh, there are five animals who have declared their candidacy for mayor of the zoo, and you can vote for what animal becomes the mayor to serve a 12-month term. Each vote costs $1, and 100% of the proceeds of the animal election uh, go towards their conservation, education, and research efforts. So it's a great cause. This year, the five candidates that are vying for the position of mayor are Azrael, a raven, Rhubarb, a two-toed sloth, Gantry, a sandhill crane, Jancala, a maned wolf, and Darwin, a gopher tortoise. And while I love all of those species, I have to tell you, I think this zoo deserves to have a maned wolf as its mayor. So I highly recommend that you go vote, go vote early, go vote often, because you can actually do that in this kind of election. And uh, for all of a dollar, you can actually, you know, help pick the next mayor of Beardsley Zoo and also donate to a really good cause in the process. Uh, and in case you're wondering, um, the outgoing mayor, a guinea hog named Harry, has plans to enjoy retirement by doing guinea hog things. And last but not least, in the Zoo News segment, our good friends at Buttonwood Park Zoo, home of Emily the Drumming Elephant, uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, uh, have teamed up with Wade Institute for Science Education and the Lloyd Center for the Environment in Dartmouth to produce something called Extreme Zoo Makeover. This is an educational program which is attempting to motivate students to research zoo habitat design. 
85 schools put together teams to work on creating zoo habitats. Uh, the teams were able to pick the animals and then come up with models of what the habitats should look like. Thousands of kids were able to participate in this, and um, it's just such a cool idea. You know, this combines so many different elements of of the STEM world, right? We're not just talking about the biological needs of the animals, but we're talking about architecture and we're talking about logistics, uh, you know, the physics of how water works and, and how land will stay and all the cool things like that. And this is just, this is a really cool thing. I, I think this is awesome. And I am so proud of Buttonwood Park Zoo for being a part of this. This is really cool, y'all. All right, enough blathering on. Let's take it to conservation news. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. Hey, in case you haven't donated to Red Panda Network lately and you're feeling like you're missing out, I would like to encourage you to go and do so now. Um, Red Panda Network has set a goal of raising $100,000 to help stop poaching and restore Red Panda habitat. And right now, um, all gifts are being matched dollar for dollar by support from their first panda challengers, which in this case include Sequoia Park Zoo, Potawatomi Zoo, Scentbird, the Dublin Zoo, Buttonwood Park Zoo, Paradise Park in Cornwall, the UK, Zoo Boise, and the AAZK of the Green Bay area. Um, so yeah, now is a great time to donate, and then it counts twice as much, which is doubly good. So uh, if you have some money and want to help Red Pandas, go do that. Redpandanetwork.org or at Red Panda Network. So you've all heard about this this thing called um oh, what is it? climate climate change that's the one yeah global warming climate change those two things go hand in hand right yeah okay so we've talked about this before but yet again it is now on record for another year that um as global temperatures rise there are issues with certain species where the sex of a baby born is determined by the temperature of the egg as temperatures rise, that means that one sex is going to be less represented. And that is the case yet again for sea turtles born in Florida this year, as way more female turtles have been born than male turtles. Now, yes, yes, who runs the world? Girls and all that stuff. Lo love my women. But it's important to point out that this is going to cut down on mating opportunities if there aren't as many males available to mate, which can lead to population declines. This is definitely better than if it was um, a lack of females, since they're the ones that do the whole giving birth to hundreds or thousands of eggs thing. Uh, but it's still a real big problem. So let's uh, stop the whole climate change thing, maybe? Yeah, let's all get on that. I'm starting tomorrow, okay? Cool. All right, so next up we have some bad news that's good news? G good news that's bad news? I don't know. Anyway, um, so the endangered right whale population, which uh, as, as we've talked about on here a lot, is really low and really, really needs help from the conservation community. Um, the population fell 2% last year which is sad, but which is also less than the population has fallen in years past, which is actually considered really good and uh, might mean that conservation efforts are working. 
This latest drop puts the estimated population at 340 individual whales, which is not a lot. There were an estimated 480 back in 2010. Um, so, yeah, un unfortunately, uh, there are still just a lot of unsustainable uh, human impacts on the species that are causing all kinds of major issues here for rate whales. But, hey, at least the population decline is slowing. That's like a start, hopefully. But it's also, you know, one year statistics. Next year's might be better. Next year's might be worse. I, I don't know. But uh, at least there's some good bad news as opposed to just really bad news for uh, the, the right whales. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, now, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey! It's a segue to the park on the news. I eyes pick their nose. That's the story. I eyes pick their nose. Uh, okay, I'll say a little bit more about it than that. So the I I is a really weird lemur species. If you haven't seen what they look like, again, Google it. A Y E space A Y E, and uh, they have a really long middle finger, which, yeah. Makes it easier to flick people off. You, you knew it was coming. Um, but it also turns out that uh, they are able to use them to pick their noses and eat the boogers. Yep. I-Eyes are secretly elementary school children. Uh, the scientists who discovered this are at the Duke Lemur Center, and uh, they have no clue why this happens. Uh, there are only a few species of animals in general that pick their noses. They're all primates, but they're all higher orders than the prosimians that lemurs are. Um, the species that is the most known for it and also has been observed doing it the most on a like statistical level is humans, uh, with, with upwards of 90% of people admitting they pick their noses in private. So... You, I'm looking at you right now. Don't feel bad. It's cool. Most humans do it, and I eyes do too. One of the biggest issues that animals face in the wild is competition from other species uh, for resources. You know, food and partners and territory, all that good stuff. Uh, but a recent study has shown that chimpanzees and gorillas that live in the same territory have stopped competing with each other and started to become friends. And I, I truly mean that. They play together, they eat together, and they even socialize together. This study is the first of its kind and looked at over 20 years of data from the Republic of Congo. And uh, it is also the, um, the first time that we've ever seen uh, two ape species become friends like this. This is adorable. Also, look, let's just say it. If apes and chimps can do it, so can humans who think different things. Let's be friends. You know, unless you believe something that, like, offends me, and then you can screw right off. I'll, I'll throw an eye-eye middle finger up at you. And last but not least in other news this week, bees count. Not only do bees count, but bees count from left to right. A recent study has shown that not only can bees count at least up to the number five, but when shown a number and then another number that is lower, they would go to the left or higher, go to the right. So it seems like they think from left to right in terms of organizing things. And this is not only true of bees, it's actually been shown to be true of... Uh, many species. And 
I know what you're thinking right now, which is like, hey, that's what we do, too. But what's really interesting about this, other than the fact that, you know, bees freaking count, is that uh, humans don't all count from left to right. Uh, there are different cultures that, that will naturally do up and down or right to left, all that good kind of stuff. Um, and so there's some question where uh, if we keep seeing more uh, examples in nature of it being the natural way to count from left to right, why some humans don't. And uh, the current belief is that it is a cultural thing that can overcome a more base instinct inside us, but that has not been proven yet. So yeah, not entirely sure where all of that will go. But again, bees can count and do so from left to right. That's amazing. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right. And so we're going to start off reminding you that November is Manatee Awareness Month. So uh, be aware of manatees, friends. And then on the 5th, it is National Bison Day and World Numbat Day. The 6th to the 12th are both Polar Bear Week and Orangutan Caring Week. Then on the 7th, we have International Land Snail Day and and National Hug a Stuffed Bear Day. And the ninth is Orange is for Orangutan Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of Rasafari Zoo News is in the books. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Uh, remember that you can send me Zoo News stories, and then I'll say your name right now. Thank you to Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Kevin Williams, Dan Cohen, Ali Malensky, Kristen Khalil, Bridget Kinder, and Liz Dunlevy for sending me things for this week's episode of Zoo News. Also, and as always, thank you to Lara Shank, my red panda level patron. And uh, y'all, you need to tune in on Tuesday to hear my interview with Sarah Lynn Bowser from the Oakland Zoo. Uh, this is a really, really good one with somebody that I am hoping will become a frequent voice on this podcast. She's amazing. She's brilliant. She's a great storyteller, and you're going to love her. So uh, I'll see you on Tuesday for that. And until then, remember, friend, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.